Indian campaign. Forays into the Indian subcontinent after the death of Spitamis, Spitamenes and his marriage to Roxana to cement relations with his new satirapies, Alexander turned to the Indian subcontinent. He invited the chieftains of the former satrap of Gandhara, a region presently straddled eastern Afghanistan and northern Pakistan, to come to him and submit his authority. Amphius, the ruler of Taxila, whose kingdom extended from the Indus to the Hydra-Pes, complied complied with the chieftains of some hill clans, including Aspasio and Asa Kaneo, sections of the Cambodge as known in Indian texts as Ashvenas and Ashvakayanas, refused to submit. MP hastened to relieve Alexander of his apparition ap- ap- apprehension and met him with valuable presence, placing him and all his forces at his disposal. Alexander not only returned Ambius his title and the gifts, but he also presented him with a wardrobe of Persian robes, gold, silver ornaments, 30 horses, and a thousand talents in gold. Alexander was emboldened to divide his forces, and Ambia assisted Hephaestion and Perdikas in constructing a bridge over the Indus where it bends at Hund, supplied their troops with provisions, and received Alexander himself and his whole army. In his capital city of Taxila, with every demonstration of friendship and the most liberal hospitality. On the subsequent advance of the Macedonian king, Taxilus accompanied him with the force of 5,000 men and took part in the Battle of Hydrapes River. After that victory, he was sent by Alexander in pursuit of Porus, who to whom was charged to offer favorable terms, but narrowly escaped losing his life at the hands of his old enemy. Subsequently, however, the two rivals were reconciled by the personal mediation of Alexander and Taxiles. After having contributed zealously to the equipment at the fleet of Hydaspes, he was entrusted by the king with the government of the whole territory between that river and the Indus. A considerable ascension of power was granted him after the death of Philip, son of Machetas, and he was allowed to retain his authority at the death of Alexander himself, 323 BC, as well as in the subsequent partition of the provinces in Triparadisus, 321 BC. In the winter of 327 BC, Alexander personally led a campaign against the Aspasoi of Kunar Valleys and Gurians of Guras Valley and the Asakinio of the Swat and Bunner Valleys. <clears throat> a fierce contest ensued with the Aspasio in which Alexander was wounded in the shoulder by a dart, but eventually the Aspasio lost. Alexander then faced Asakenio, who fought against him from the strongholds of Masaga or Boronos. The fort of Mesaga was reduced only after days of bloody fighting, in which Alexander was wounded seriously in the ankle. According to Curtis, not only did Alexander slaughter the entire population of Mesaga, but also did he reduce its building to rubble. 
Similar slaughter followed in Ora. In the aftermath of Masaga and Ora, numerous Asakenians fled the fortress of Ornos. Alexander followed close behind and captured the strategic hill fort after four bloody days. After Arnos, Alexander crossed the Indus and fought a one an epic battle against King Porus, who ruled a region lying between Hydaspes and the Assyrians, Chenob, in what is now Punjab. In the Battle of Hydaspes in 326 BC, Alexander was impressed by Porus's bravery and made him an ally. <clears throat> He appointed Porus as satrap and, and added to Porus's territory land that he did not previously own, toward the southeast, up to Hephaestus Bays. Choosing a local helps him control these lands so distant from Greece. Alexander founded two cities on opposite sides of the Hydapes River, naming one Bucephala in honor of his horse, who died around this time. The other was Nicaea, Victory thought to be located in the site of modern-day Moon Punjab. Philostratus the Elder and life of Apollonius of Tyana writes that the army of Porus there was an elephant who fought brave against Alexander's army and Alexander dedicated it to Helios' son and named it Ajax because he thought that it was so great anim- so great animal deserved a great name. The elephant had gold rings around its tusks and was inscripted with, an, with them, written in Greek, Alexander, the son of Zeus, dedicates Ajax to Helios. Revolt of the Army East of Porus Kingdom, near the Ganges River, was the Nanda Empire of Magadha, and further east, the Gangariadia Empire of Bengal, region of India's subcontinent. Featuring the prospect of facing other large armies and exhausted by years of campaigning, Alexander's army mutinied at the Hafius River Bees, refusing to march further east. This river thus marked the easternmost extent of Alexander's conquest. As for the Macedonians, however, their struggle with Porus blunted their courage and stayed their further advance into India. For having had all they could do to replace his enemy, who mustered only 20,000 infantry and 2,000 horses. They violently opposed Alexander when he insisted on crossing the river Ganges, also the width at which he, as they learned, was 32 furlongs. Its depth, 100 fathoms, while its banks on the further side were covered with multitudes of men at arms and horsemen and elephants. For they were told that the king of the Gandarites and Prasi were awaiting them with 80,000 horsemen, 2,000 footmen, 8,000 chariots, and 6,000 war elephants. Alexander tried to persuade his soldiers to march further, but his general, Coenus, pleaded with him to change his opinion and return. The men, he said, longed to again see their parents, their wives, and their children, their homeland. Alexander eventually agreed and turned south, marching along the Indus. Along the way, his army conquered the Maliha in modern-day Malton and other Indian tribes, and Alexander sustained an injury during the siege. Alexander sent much of his army to Kermia, modern southern Iran, and General Kratrus 
and commissioned a fleet to explore the Persian Gulf shore under his admiral Nearchus. While he led the rest back to Persia through the most diff- to the more difficult southern route along the Ge- Geodrosian Desert and Macaran, Alexander reached Susin in 324 BC, but not before losing many men in the harsh desert. Last years in Persia. Discovering that many of his satraps and military governors had misbehaved in his absence, Alexander executed several of them as examples on his way to Susa. As a gesture of thanks, he paid off the debts of his soldiers and announced that he would send over aged and disabled veterans back to Macedon, led by Cratrus. His troops misunderstood his intention and mutinied at the town of Opus. They refused to be sent away and criticized his adoption of Persian customs and dress and introduction of Persian officers and soldiers into Macedonian units. After three days, unable to persuade his men back down, Alexander gave Persian command posts in the army and conferred Macedonian military titles upon Persian units. The Macedonians quickly begged forgiveness, which Alexander accepted and held a great banquet for several thousand of his men, at which he and they ate. In an attempt to craft a lasting harmony between his Macedonian and Persian subjects, Alexander held a mass marriage of his senior officers to Persian and other noble women at Susa, but very few of those marriages seem to have lasted much beyond a year. Meanwhile, upon his return to Persia, Alexander led the guards to a tomb of Cyrus the Great in Pasar Gede and dedicated it and swiftly executed them. Alexander admired Cyrus the Great from an early age, reading Xenophon's Cyropedia, which describes Cyrus's heroism in battle and governess as a king and legislator. During his visit to Pasar Gede, Alexander ordered his architect Aristobulus to decorate the interior of the sephiral chamber of Cyrus' tomb. Alexander afterwards traveled to Ekbatna to retrieve the bulk of the Persian treasure. There, his closest friend and possible lover, Hephaestion, died of illness or poisoning. Hephaestion's death devastated Alexander and he ordered the preparation of an expensive funeral pyre in Babylon, as well as decree of public mourning. Back in Babylon, Alexander planned a series of new campaigns, beginning with the invasion of Arabia, but he would soon uh, not have the chance to realize them, as he died shortly after Hephaestion. Death and Succession On either 10 or 11 of June 323 BCE, Alexander died in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar II in Babylon at age 32. There are two different versions of Alexander's death, and details of the death after differ slightly in each. Plutarch's account is roughly 14 days before his death. Alexander entertained Admiral Nearchus and spent the night and next day drinking with Medeus of Lassyria, of Larissa. He developed a fever which worsened until he was unable to speak. The common soldiers, anxious about his health, were granted the right to file past him as he silently waved at them. 
In second account, Diodorus recounts that Alexander was struck with pain after downing a large bowl of unmixed wine in honor of Hercules. Followed by 11 days of weakness, he did not develop a fever and died after some agony. Arian also mentioned that that this is an alternative, but Plutarch specifically denied this claim. Given the propensity of the Macedonian aristocracy to assassination, foul play featured multiple accounts of his death. Diodorus, Plutarch, Arian, and Justin all mentioned the theory that Alexander was poisoned. Justin stated that Alexander was the victim of a poisoning conspiracy. Plutarch dismissed it as fabrication, while both Diodorus and Arian noted that they mentioned it only for the sake of completeness. The accounts were nevertheless fairly consistent in designating Antipater, recently removed as Macedonian viceroy, and that the odds with Olympias uh, as the head of the alleged plot, perhaps taking his summons to Babylon as a death sentence, and having seen the fate of Parmenion and Philetus, Antipater purportedly arranged for Alexander to be poisoned by his son Lylas. Lyolus who was Alexander's wine-pourer. There were even suggestions that Aristotle may have even participated. The strongest argument against the poison theory is the fact that 12 days passed between the start of his illness and his death. Such long-acting poisons were probably not available. However, in 2003 BBC documentary investigating the death of Alexander, Leo Shep from the New Zealand National Poison Centre proposed that the plant White Hellebore which was known in antiquity, may have been used as poison to Alexander. In 2014 manuscript in the journal Clinical Toxiology, Shrepp suggested Alexander's wine was spiked with Veritrum album, which and that would have produced poison symptoms that matched the course of events describing Alexander's romance. Veritrum album poisoning can have prolonged course and is suggested that Alexander was poisoned. Veritrum album offers the more plausible case. Another poisoning explanation but, f- but forward in 2010 proposed that the circumstances of his death were compatible with poisoning by water of the river Styx, modern-day Mavroneri, in Arcadia, Greece, that contained Calahemicin, a dangerous compound produced by bacteria. Several natural causes have been suggested, including malaria and typhoid fever. A 1998 article in the New England Journal of Medicine attributed his death to typhoid fever, complicated by bowel porification and ascended paralysis. Another recent analysis suggested pyrogenic infections, spondylitis, and meningitis. Other illnesses fit the symptoms including acute pancreatitis and West Nile virus. Natural cause theories also tend to emphasize that Alexander's health may have been in general decline after years of heavy drinking and severe wounds. The anguish that Alexander felt at Hephaestion's death may also have contributed to his declining health. After death, Alexander's body was laid in a gold anthropoid sarcophagus that was filled with honey, which was turned, turned, in pla- turned placed in a gold casket. According to Aelion, a seer called Aristander foretold that the land where Alexander was laid to rest would be happy and unvanquishable forever. Perhaps more likely, the successors may have been 
seen possession of the body as a symbol of legitimacy, since burying the prior king was a royal prerogative. <clears throat> While a- Alexander's funeral cortege was on its way to Macedon, Ptolemy seized it and took it temporarily to Memphis. His successor, Ptolemy II, Philadelphus, transferred the sarcophagus to Alexandria, where it remained until at least late antiquity. Ptolemy IV Lathros, one of Ptolemy's final successors, replaced Alexander's sarcophagus with a glass one so he could convert the original to coinage. The recent discovery of an enormous tomb in northern Greece at Amphilus dating from the time of Alexander has given rise to speculation that its original intent was to be the burial place of Alexander. This would fit with the intended destination of Alexander's funeral cortege. However, the memorial was found to be dedicated to the dearest friend of Alexander the Great, Hephaestion. Pompey, Julius Caesar, and Augustus all visited the tomb in Alexandria where Augustus allegedly accidentally knocked the nose off. Caligula was said to have taken Alexander's breastplate from the tomb for his own use. Around AD 200, Emperor Septimus Severus closed Alexander's tomb to the public. His son and successor, Caracalla, a great admirer, visited the tomb during his own reign. After this, details on the fate of the tomb are hazy. The so-called Alexander sarcophagus discovered near Sidon and now the Istanbul Archaeology Museum is so so named not because of the thought to have contained Alexander's remain, but because its bas reliefs depict Alexander and his companions fighting the Persians and hunting. It was originally thought to have been the sarcophagus of Abdolomus, died 311 BC. The king of Sidon, appointed by Alexander, immediately followed the Battle of Isis Isos in 331. However, more recently, it has been suggested that its date may be from earlier than Abdolonismus' death. Demades likened the Macedonian army after the death of Alexander to blinded cyclops due to the many random and disorderly movements that it made. In addition, Leos Thenes also likened the anarchy between the generals after Alexander's death to the blinding cyclops who, after he had lost his eye, went feeling and groping around with his hands before him, not knowing where to lay them. Division of the Empire Alexander's death was so sudden that when reports of his death reached Greece, they were not immediately believed. Alexander had no obvious or legitimate heir. His son Alexander IV by Roxanne being born after Alexander's death. According to Diodorus, Alexander's companions asked him on his deathbed to whom he bequested his kingdom. His iconic, iconic reply was, to the strongest. Another theory is that his successors willfully or erroneously misheard, misheard to Craterus, the general leading his Macedonian troops home and newly entrusted with the regency of Macedon. Arian and Plutarch claimed that Alexander was speechless by this point, implying that he was an apocryphal story. Apocryphal story. Diodorus, Curtius, and Justin offered a more plausible story that Alexander passed the signet ring to Perdiccas, a bodyguard and leader of the companion cavalry. 
in front of witnesses, thereby nominating him. Parabdias initially did not uh, claim power, instead suggesting that Roxanne's baby would be the king. If male by himself, Cratius Leonatus and Antipater as guardians. However, the infantry under the commander Melager rejected this arrangement, since they had been ex- excluded from the discussion. Instead, they supported Alexander's half-brother, Philip Erhidius. Eventually, the two sides reconciled, and after the birth of Alexander IV, he and Philip III were appointed joint kings, albeit in name only. Dissension and rivalry soon afflicted the Macedonians, however. The, the satrapies handed out by Paradiacus of the Partition of Babylon became power bases each general used to bid for power. After the assassination of Paradiacus in 321 BC, Macedonian unity collapsed, and 40 years of war began between the successors, and soon be, be, before the Hellenistic world settled into four stable power blocks, Potomac Egypt, Seleucid Mesopotamia, Central Asia, Adelid Anolia, and Antigonid Macedon. In the process, both Alexander IV and Philip III were murdered. Will. Diodorus stated that Alexander had given detailed instructions to Craterus some time before his death. Craterus started to carry out Alexander's commands, but the successors chose not to further implement them on the grounds that they were impractical and extravagant. Nevertheless, Paradicus read Alexander's will to his troops. Alexander's will called for military expansion into southern and western Mediterranean, monumental constructions and intermixing of eastern and western populations. It included construction of a monumental tomb for his father Philip to match the greatness of the pyramids of Egypt, erection of great temples in Diolos, Delphi, Dodona, Dium, Amphiolus, and monumental temple to Athena at Troy. Conquest of Arabia and the entire Mediterranean basin. Called circumnavigation of Africa. Development of cities and the trans- transplant of populations from Asia to Europe and the opposite direction from Europe to Asia in order to bring the largest continent in common unity but to friendship by means of intermarriage and family ties. Character. Generalship. Alexander earned the Ephesus the Great due to his unparalleled success as a military commander. He never lost a battle, despite typically being outnumbered. This is due to the use of terrain phalanx and cavalry tactics, bold strategy, and fierce loyalty of his troops. The Macedonian phalanx, armed with the Sarasa, a sphere six meters long, had been developed and perfected by Philip II through rigorous training, and Alexander used its speed and maneuverability to great effect against larger, more dis- dis- disparate Persian forces. Alexander also recognized the potential for disunity among his diverse army, which employed various languages and weapons. He overcame this by being personally involved in battle in the manner of a Macedonian king. In his first battle in Asia at Granicus, Alexander used only a small part of his forces, perhaps 13,000 infantry with 5,000 cavalry against a much larger Persian force of 40,000. Alexander placed the phalanx at the center and the cavalry and archers at the wings, 
so that line matched the length of his Persian cavalry line, about three kilometers. By contrast, the Persian infantry was stationed behind his cavalry. This ensued that Alexander would not be outflanked, while his phalanx, armed with long pikes, had the considerable advantage over the Persians' scimitars and javelins. Macedonian losses were negligible compared to those of Persians. At, at Isis in 333 BC, he first con confrontation with Darius, he used the same deployment and against the central phalanx, pushed through it. Alexander personally led the charge in the center, routing the opposing army. At the decisive encounter with Darius at Gogamela, Darius equipped his chariots with, with sights on the wheels to break up the phalanx and equipped his cavalry with pikes. Alexander arranged a double phalanx with the center advancing at an angle, parting when the chariots bore down and then reforming. The advance was successful and broke Darius' center, causing the latter to free once again. When faced with opponents who used unfamiliar fighting techniques, such as Central Asia and India, Alexander adapted his forces to his opponent's style. Thus, in Bacteria, Bactria and Sogdiana, Alexander successfully used his javelin throwers and archers to prevent outflanking movements while massing his cavalry at the center. In India, confronted by porous elephants' corps, the Macedonians opened their ranks to envelop the elephants and used their sarissas to strike upwards and dislodge the elephants' handlers. <clears throat> Physical appearance. Greek biographer Plutarch described Alexander's appearance as the outward appearance of Alexander is best represented by the statues of him which Lysippus made, and it was the, by this artist alone that Alexander himself threw a fit and that he should be modeled. He should be modeled. For this per, per, peculiar, peculiarities, which many of his successors and friends afterwards tried to imitate, namely the poise of his neck, which was bent slightly to the left, and his metal melting gaze of melting glance of his eyes. The artist had accurately observed. Apelles, however, in painting him as wielder of the thunderbolt, did not reproduce, reproduce his complexion, but made it too dark and swarthy. Whereas he was of fair color, as they say, and his fairness passed into rudiness in his breast, <clears throat> in his breast particularly, and in his face. Moreover, that a very pleasant odor exhaled from his skin, that there was a fragrance about his mouth and all his flesh, so that his garments were filled with it. This we have read in the memories of Aristoxenus. The semi-legendary Alexander Romance also just suggested that Alexander exhibited heterochromia iridium, that one eye was dark and the other light. British historian Peter Green provided a description of Alexander's appearance based on his review of statues and some ancient documents. Physically, Alexander was not prepossessing. Even by Macedonian standards, he was very short, though stocky and tough. His beard was scanty, and he stood out against his hirsute Macedonian barons by going clean-shaven. His neck was in some way twisted so that it appeared to be gazing upward at an angle. His, eye, his eyes, one blue, one brown, revealed a dewy, feminine quality. He had high complexion and a harsh voice. Historian and Egyptologist John Fletcher has said that Alexander had blonde hair. Ancient authors recorded that Alexander was so pleased with portraits of himself created by Lysippus 
that he forbade other sculptors from crafting his image. Lysippus had often used the contraposto sculpturing scheme to portray Alexander and other characters such as Apoxomenos, Hermes, and Eros. Lysippus' statues, famous for its naturalism as opposed to stiffer, more static pose, as thought the most faithful depiction. Personality Some of Alexander's strongest personality traits formed in response to his parents. His mother had huge ambitions and encouraged him to believe that it was his destiny to conquer the Persian Empire. Olympias' influence instilled a sense of destiny in him, and Plutarch tells how his ambition kept his spirit serious and lofty in advance of his years. However, his father Philip was Alexander's most immediate and influential role model. As a young Alexander watched him campaign practically every year, winning victory after victory while ignoring several severe wounds, Alexander's relationship with his father forged a competitive side of his personality. He had a need to outdo his father, illustrated by his reckless behavior in battle. While Alexander worried that his father would leave him, no greater brilliant achievement to be displayed to the world, he had downplayed his father's achievement to his companions. According to Plutarch, among Alexander's traits were a violent temper and a rash, impulsive nature. While undoubtedly contributed to some of his decisions, Although Alexander was stubborn and did not respond well to orders from his father, he was open to reasonable debate. He had a calmer side, perceptive, logical, and calculating. He had a great desire for knowledge, a love of philosophy, and was an avid reader. This was no doubt in part due to Aristotle's tutelage. Alexander was intelligent and quick to learn. His intelligence and rational side was amply demonstrated by his ability to succeed as a general. He was a great self-restraint in pleasures of the body, in contrast with his lack of self-control and alcohol. Alexander was eroded and patronized both arts and sciences. However, he had little interest in sports or Olympic games, unlike his father, seeking only into the Homeric ideals of honor and glory. He had great charisma and a force of personality, characteristics which made him a great leader. His unique abilities were further demonstrated by the inability of any of his journals to unite Macedonia and retain the empire after his death. Only Alexander had the ability to do so. During his final years, especially after the death of Hepatistesian, Alexander began to exhibit signs of megalomania and paranoia. His extraordinary achievements, coupled with his own ineffable sense of destiny and flattery of his companions, may have, a, have con- contrib- combined to produce this effect. His delusions of grandeur are readily visible in his will and his desire to conquer the world. Inasmuch as he ver- various sources described as having boundless ambition, as epithet the meaning of which had descended into historical cliché, he appears to have believed himself as a deity and at least sought to deify himself. Olympias always insisted to him that he was the son of Zeus, a theory apparently confirmed to him by the oracle of Amon in Siwa. He began to identify himself as the son of Zeus Amon. Alexander adopted elements of Persian dress and customs at court, notably proskinesis, a practice in which Macedonians disapproved and were loath to perform. The behavior cost him the sympathies of many of his countrymen. However, Alexander was a pragmatic ruler who understood the difficulties of ruling culturally disparate people, many of whom lived in kingdoms where the king was divine. 
Thus, rather than megalomania, his behavior may simply have been a practical attempt at strengthening his rule and keeping his empire together. Personal Relationships Alexander married three times. Roxana, daughter of Sogdian nobleman Oxytes of Bacteria, out of love, and the Persian princess Stateria II and Parasatis II, a former, a daughter of Darius III, and latter daughter of Artius III for political reasons. He apparently had two sons, Alexander IV of Macedon by Roxana and possibly Heracles of Macedon from his mistress Barsine. He lost another child when Roxana miscarried at Babylon. Alexander had a close relationship with his friend, general, and bodyguard, Hephaestion, the son of a Macedonian noble. Hephaestion's death dev- devastated Alexander. This event may have contributed to Alexander's failing health and detached mental state during his final months. Alexander's sexuality has been the subject of speculation and controversy in modern times. The Roman era writer Athenio says, based on the scholar Dicarius, who was Alexander's contemporary, that the king was quite excessively keen on boys, and that Alexander kissed the eunuch Bagabos in public. This episode is also told by Plutarch, probably based on the same source. None of Alexander's contemporaries, however, are known to have explicitly described Alexander's relationship with Hephaestion as sexual, though the pair were often compared to Achilles and Patroclus, whom classical Greek culture painted as a couple. Alien writes of Alexander's visit to Troy, where Alexander garlanded the tomb of Achilles and Hephaestion that Patrocles, that of Patrocles, the later hinting that he had beloved of he was beloved of Alexander, in just the same way as Pe- Patrocles was of Achilles. Some modern historians believe not only that Alexander's youthful relationship with Hephaestion was sexual, but their sexual contact may have continued into adulthood, which went against the social norms of at least one, some Greek cities such as Athens, though some modern researchers have tentatively proposed that Macedonia, or at least of Macedonian court, may have been more tolerant of homosexuality between adults. Green argues that there is little evidence in ancient sources that Alexander had much carnal interest in women. He did not produce an heir until the very end of his life. However, Ogden calculates that Alexander, who impregnated his partners thrice in eight years, had a higher matrimonial record than his father at the same age. Two of these pregnancies, Stateria and Barsines, are of dubious legitimacy. According to Diodorus Siculus, Alexander accumulated a haram in the style of Persian kings, but he used it rather sparingly. Not wishing to offend the Macedonians, showing great self-control in pleasures of the body, Nevertheless, his, uh, nevertheless, Plutarch described how Alexander was infatuated by Roxana while complimenting him on not forcing himself on her. Green suggests that in the context of her period, Alexander formed quite strong friendships with women, including Ada of Caria, who adopted him, and even Darius's mother, Sisagambus, who supposedly died from grief upon hearing of Alexander's death. <clears throat>